So, Father, we praise you and we thank you for your goodness and for your grace. I thank you for your people, God, that you love more than anything else. I thank you so much for the privilege and the honor to bring your word before them, Lord God. Now, Daddy, only you can satisfy and meet every expectation that they have. In the name of Jesus, I pray and thank you for doing that. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. One thing you're going to find out about Rowan is that worship is a priority in my life. Uh, It sets the atmosphere. So I don't do a song over and over again because I want to become repetitious. My children always say when I'm playing the CD, when I have control of the CD, which is not very often in the car, when you live in the home and you're the only male, there's a lot of estrogen that's there. So it's, uh, it is a call of God. Amen. The father, daughters. Amen, somebody. And, and so the moment I actually get to select a song, I keep repeating it. And they're like, Dad, you're going to kill the song. I said, no, I'm trying to kill the flesh. So I need to be in that atmosphere Um, because I need God's presence. And so what you're going to find is that worship is vital, uh, just as important as the word. I mean, the word is where you get the worship from. Um, So I hope you never get tired of being in God's presence through worship. I I, I hope you can also grace me with hearing when I sing loud. Amen. If I don't sing in the right key, praise the Lord for that. Amen. But um, uh, the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle said, it's not whether you sing on the right note, it's why you're singing that note. It's the motive uh, that, that is vital, that is important. So uh, music is, 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 is important as we're going to be pressing to the things of God. So that's one thing you're going to know about me is that worship is, uh, is very important. And, uh, you know, as I instruct, you know, Danny and Megan, and I said, well, you know, songs that they know and and all that worship war thing you know genre and culture and all those different things i accept the assignment that we're called to speak to every generation and um, we're going to be able to incorporate that in everything we do um, because i think it's important that we minister to the entire body of christ and not just to one segment because of what the media is saying what's relevant amen how you know you can't trust the media for what's relevant you know, they look at short skirts and think that's relevant. Amen, somebody. But we're still going to be modest and still going to maintain purity uh, for his presence. So um, welcome, everyone, uh, for the few moments I have you before we uh, let you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Um, I enjoy when the week actually, you know, incorporates seven days. Uh, Monday was uh, February the 1st, and we're now on the seventh day of this new month. And uh, I like to always uh, welcome in a new month as a fresh start. You know what I mean? That you can look at the month of January and whether you had some success or you didn't, you can always start fresh every, every month. And uh, I'm much you're glad that time came out of God, that time isn't God, that time actually came out of the one we live and we, we uh, connect to. 
And that lets me know that, excuse me, if you're humble and you're open, you will never miss an opportunity that God has for you to bless you. He is a gracious God, and he can literally redeem the time, buy back the time, because he says the days are evil that we are living in. And so it's really important that we understand that we can always have a fresh start in our journey as we are uh, loving the Lord and, and, and desiring to do his will. And so the month of January, we, uh, the January 4th, I believe it was, we preached a message that was called Hashtag 2016. And we were looking at four different uh, things that uh, vision incorporates. And we began and we looked at profitability and we then went over to being planted. And then we talked about the prophetic. And then uh, Gary, under the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, came with the fourth one, which I copyrighted and took from him. And it's called Persuaded. And then we also have the formula here, RX 16 equals 4P. And what I want to do today as we kick off this month is build on this, but take it from a different angle, a different, a different way of approaching uh, 2016. Because I still believe this is going to be the greatest year of your life. Um, I still believe that this is the greatest year uh, for the city of Marion and, and, and for your life and for the state. And, and so what we're going to look at today is a message that I have, and it's called, We Act on What We Believe. Say that with me. We act on what we believe. Now, what's interesting about that statement is that you can also take what we believe and put it in front of what we act on, and you get the same thing. So we can say what we believe, we act on. So whether you look at it from the beginning, we act on, or you look at it from, you know, what we believe, it's saying the same thing. It's saying the same thing. And so it's important as we see the days that we are living in, it's vital that we understand what we believe and why we believe it. It's very important, okay? That the enemy has made it his uh, modus operandi to distort the word of God, to deform it, to twist it, throw some truth in it that he can deceive the body of Christ. And it's important then as ministry gifts, the, the pastor, the apostle, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, we have been commissioned by God to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so one of the things that I celebrate, uh, Gary was telling me with the growth of the Bible study on Thursdays in Bucyrus, and I said, that's awesome. I said, because what we do is we equip you here and we release you to be a light in those areas. And so you have to change your mindset from, okay, let me bring you to church and you're going to get saved because the preacher is going to say something. No, you are anointed by God. Say, I'm anointed by God. Because you know what you believe. You see what I'm saying? You know what you believe and so therefore you act on what you believe. Now, now, you may, th see, the most dangerous thing is to be controlled and governed by a force, and you're not even aware of it. I mean, think about that. That you are being governed and controlled, and you're not even aware of it. And so it's important, then, that we understand and we know what we believe so we can act upon that. Okay? So we can act upon that. And, and, and that is vital. That is so important. To live in a successful Christian life. Okay? So go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Um, verse 15 and 17. And then we're going to look at verse 20 to 21. 
2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15 and 17, and then 2 Chronicles chapter 20, uh, verse 20 and 21. Now, for us who are parents and for us who, you know, um, it's important to raise children or to, to nurture children that we know what we believe. It's important because they are going to have to come to a place where they're going to say, I'm not just believing what my mom and dad told me, but I also believe what the word of God is telling me. That is the goal of every single parent, and it should be the goal of every individual, okay, to, to recognize that, okay? So before I read Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15 and 17, I want to read you a quote from the movie that was uh, filmed or released in 2003, and it was The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, okay? I'm not sure if you're familiar with this movie or not, but there's a quote in there, and the reason I'm going to read this quote, I think it goes with my message, but it also has my name in it, and I'm still trying to go after the director, Peter Jackson, to say, hey, I need to get some royalty for every time my name was mentioned uh, in this movie. And so uh, this is Aragon, and he's in the scene where they're about to now storm Blackgate. They're, he has to rally the troops now. He's got he's to let them know that, you know what, this is it. And they're all lined up, and they're seeing what's happening. And he says this to them. And look at the statement he makes. He says, hold your ground. And he repeats it again. Hold your ground, sons of Gondor, of Rohan, my brothers. I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of men fails. When we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields. When the age of men comes crashing down. But it is not this day. This day we fight. By all that you hold dear on this good earth. I beg you stand men of the West. And with that statement that Aragon made to these troops, they went in and stormed, and of course, they gained the victory. But when we look at the script that was written by a director, we have to go to the scriptures that was written by God. And he begins in verse 15, and he says this, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, verse 15, and King Jehoshaphat. So we have a prophet now that is speaking and he's saying, listen. The first thing he puts is listen. How many parents, how many have ever said that? Just listen. In other words, I want to gain your attention. What I'm about to tell you is of utmost important. In other words, if you're distracted, stop being distracted right now. And that's one of the greatest joys of the Christian life is that you have to get to a place where you are listening to God. He says, be quick to listen or slow to speak, but quick to do what? To listen. And he begins and he's saying this. He says, listen. And he explains, he says, everyone of Judah and Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours, but God's. 
So right from the beginning, right out of the gate, we are telling you, gathering place, we are telling you, sons and daughters of the Most High God, that the battle belongs to God. That every challenge, every situation that you are facing, there is no issue, no challenge that you can face that is bigger than God. So why is it then that we find ourselves oftentimes worrying and having the enemy use us as a play toy? Listen, God did not create you, design you, let you enter this earth to be the enemy's play toy. That's not God's desire. That's not God's will. You are not a victim, but you are victorious in Jesus. It's important that you recognize that. And he says, because of that, tomorrow go down. We act on what we believe. Tomorrow go down. Your tomorrow is not going to be like today. Come on. That's for somebody here this morning. Your tomorrow is not going to be like today. And if today was great, tomorrow is going to be even better. And if tomorrow is better, the next day is even going to be better. Are you with me, somebody? It doesn't matter what it looks like right now. Your tomorrow is always going to be triumphant. Someone say, my tomorrow is going to be triumphant. Because God says the battle belongs to him. And so therefore, if the battle belongs to God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, God is already in my tomorrow dealing with issues that when I step in, I see victory and evidence of God's goodness and of God's grace. Uh, you ought to give God praise and give him glory for that. Thank God for his tomorrow. He says, behold, they will come up, on the, uh, they'll come up against you. You will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness. Verse 17, and this is the one I want to emphasize right here. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Now, salvation, the Greek word is soteriology. It, it's where we get the word sozo. It, it comes from this word meaning deliverance. It, it also represents three different dimensions of salvation. The first dimension of salvation is when you come to know Jesus Christ and when you are dead in your trespass and sin, the Holy Spirit now by the grace of God now quickens your spirit and you're now saved and you come to know Jesus Christ. So now your spirit that was disconnected from God is now alive and now God whose spirit speaks to your spirit. That's the first work of salvation. That's the work of God. That's the grace of God. He says in Ephesians, it's of God's doing nothing we ever did. That's the first level of salvation. And what happens is we act on what we believe. And so because of that, people just stay right there. They stay in that place. Okay, well, God's talking to me now, and that's where they stay. But God has said, no, I want to do a deeper work that you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. And so he moves you now from a place of deliverance to a place of freedom. And the next place he wants to get you to is the freedom of your soul. That's the next work of salvation. That is your emotions. That is your mind, your will, your intellect, everything about you where he says you now become a living being. Now, some people stay at this work, the first work of grace. But we've got to now move into say, no, God, you're going to control my mind, my emotions, my will. That's when, when you, see, when you were here and disconnected from God, you were just nasty. And you didn't know you were nasty. When Christ comes to work into your life by the work of the Holy Spirit, you now step into this realm and you now recognize, but I am nasty. So now you have no excuse to say, well, just the way I was born. No, 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 no. You've been born again. 
And so if God's doing a deep work in you, which he wants to do, you can't go into your tomorrow the way you were yesterday. Uh-uh. You got to grow in grace. And that's why we rub each other the wrong way because we're saved. But we have issues with each other because there's a deeper work of our emotions, our mental capacity, our intellectual, how we see things, our perception needs to be redeemed. Right? See, see that's why you have to offer discipline to your children. The Bible says you spare the rod, you spoil the child. That you got to bring some correction in the way they're seeing things. you got to bring some correction in the way they're viewing things. Why? Because of the influence that's out there. So they're saved. You don't want to kill their spirit. You want to bring out the greatness in them. So you got to get to that place where God is doing a deeper work, and that's another work of salvation. And finally, the third work of salvation is when your body is redeemed now. Okay? When your body is redeemed. Now, some school of thought will tell you that God can deliver your spirit from hell, but he won't heal your body. And we ultimately know that when we die and go to heaven, we're going to get a new body, right? So we know that. But if we believe that God can deliver us from here, surely God can then deliver us here. And God can deliver us right in the middle. So it's what we believe. So that gets to a point in your Christian journey where you're no longer arguing about whether you're saved or not. We've we got to at least pass that. You are a Christian, you are a believer, and you know, and that's solid and that's secure. Don't let no one talk you out of that. Don't let the enemy condemn you for that. Oops, I had a bad thought. Oh my goodness, I now have to come to the altar again and I have to get resaved again. You go back, you have to keep getting, and I'll, you, you're getting tired. God is able to keep you once your heart and your mind is focused on him because of the salvation the work he did on the cross. That is exciting news. That means I start from a place of victory every single morning. He says, repent if you've made a mistake, repent, and then follow after God. And so what he wants to do now, he wants us to see the salvation that's taking place. So in other words now, a healthy body are people who are moving in the grace of God and are moving from grace to grace and they're moving from grace to grace and they're allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in them and you're seeing more of the salvation of God and people finally says, man, you're not the person that you used to be. God is doing a deep work in your life. And who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Amen? But the battle that you're facing... The battle belongs to God. But he says here, he says, you don't have to fight in this battle. So I said to the Lord, what do you mean you have to fight in this battle? He says, because if you, if, if you listen to what, to what I'm going to share with you, Rowan, you're going to see how you get to a place where you can say, no, God. So you, you can say, this battle truly belongs to the Lord. Like a lot of people look at the scripture and they say, you know what? That means I don't have to do anything. I don't have to, I don't have to participate. That's not what God is saying. You have to participate, but what God is saying is that he is the one who is leading. He's the one that you depend on. He's the one that you put your trust in. So the enemy doesn't get to a place of frustration and gets to a place of thinking, you've got to work all of this, and when you don't succeed or it feels like you're not succeeding, you then say, well, God, this thing doesn't work, and then you abandon the faith. So in verse 20 of the same chapter, chapter 20, he says this, And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness, and when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, inhabitant of Jerusalem. And here's our text. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. The King James or the Amplified excuse me, says, You will be secure. So believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall be secure in the salvation that God's about to bring to you. And then he continues and says, Believe his prophets... 
and you will do what? Succeed. So there's a dimension here that if we believe in the Lord our God first, we will be secure. And then we can believe the prophetic word that God brings. We have people going the opposite. We have people running for a prophetic word, but they haven't believed God. And it's dangerous. So you have to first believe God. And believe in God means you understand the scriptures and what God is saying. So whatever comes out of the prophetic voice, you can confirm it back to God's voice. Does that make sense? So it's important that we understand the order of which God is doing this. So what we're going to commit to this month, what we're going to commit to for the rest of our life, if you want to join with me, is this. As of today, as of today, I make the decision to believe in the Lord God because I know that I'm established in my relationship with him. That that is the first thing right there. We're not going to go any further. We're not going to make any more progress. Every family, every marriage, every child, every individual in this house, we're going to be making this declaration when people ask you. We believe in the Lord God Almighty and we are secure and we are established in our relationship with him. That is the first thing. The enemy can't talk me out of it. The enemy can't try to deceive me out of it. We are established. We are planted in the body of Christ. We are connected to a community of believers who believe in what God is saying. So in other words, here's how it works. So when I connect with Mark and we do a chest bump, right, when he came in, you know, we hit each other. We're going to say, what do you believe in God for? And you're going to say, I'm believing God for miracles. I'm believing God for whatever. And I'm like, well, I'm believing God as well. And now we come together and there's a connection, a connection of community. Because guess what? All week I've been dealing with a negative, nasty people who have no regards for God. Now I come into communion of believers who are speaking the same thing I'm speaking. And so all of a sudden now we build each other up. And so we have this fellowship of the Holy Ghost that's taking place, right? Now I'm edified, I'm built up because of the gift that's in you edifies the gift inside of me. And my gift edifies you. And now there's no room for competition. There's no room for us to be talking about each other. Why? Because we're so busy flowing in our gifts. We're so busy doing what God's called us to do that there's a great celebration. And people come in and say, how come y'all can hang out like that and talk like that? Because we believe in God. We believe in God. Not Buddha, not Allah, not Muhammad. We believe in God. You you feel what I'm saying? That's who we believe in. And as a result of that now, a prophetic word can come in and can now speak to our situation. Let's go deeper. So as parents now, your children believe what you're saying, right? Now you as the father or you as the mother, you speak prophetically now to the gift inside of your child. And you now speak. Speak to what God has put inside of them. Why? Because when they can start to see what's on the inside of them and they see the salvation of the Lord and what God is doing, they're now established. So when you send them into the halls of, of politics or you send them to the halls of government or you send them to the, the halls of business or wherever they are, they are established and they can't be talked out of their faith. Barnard did a research and he says most individuals, young people, when they go into secular school of college, they lose their faith. They lose their faith. They were never established in the work of God. And it's important that we understand because guess what? There is more. The things that I had to struggle with and the things that my daughter, I mean, just with technology and the ability to access things is amazing. Some of the things that they've been exposed to. And it's important that we understand what we act on is what we believe. And what we believe is what we act on. 
And he says this now in verse 21. And, and he had taken counsel with the people. He appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise, holy, uh, praise him in holy attire. And as they went before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. I, I say all that to say this. This is how we're going to deal now with the battle of the mind. The battle of the mind. We act on what we believe. And I'm going to end with this. The battle of the mind. It said earlier, we're secure in knowing who we are and that we believe in God and our salvation is secure in that regard. We now need to get to the place of our mind, how to get our mind to connect to what God is doing in our lives. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, it says this, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So we are to love the Lord your God with all our heart, all our soul, and with all our mind. So there's a battle now for your mind, the way you think. And he says the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I believe, I truly believe, that our ability to love other people is conducive to our ability to love God in this dimension that uh, Jesus talks about here in Mark uh, chapter number 12. That if we love the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength, it then becomes easier to love other people and love our neighbors. Right? So let's look at one of the reasons why we have to battle with our minds. Exodus chapter 13 verse 17. Exodus chapter 13 verse 17. I'm going to read it from the English Standard Version. I'm going to go to the Amplified Version. And here's where we're going to park it. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 and 18, I want you to hear this. Exodus chapter 1 begins that there's another Pharaoh who rose up that didn't know Joseph. Another Pharaoh rose up that didn't know Joseph. Pharaoh was the title that was given to the ruler. That was his name. That was the title given to the rule of Egypt. Because the Pharaoh that was there before was, 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 uh, showed faith, uh, a favor to Joseph. He was second in command. He, he rode in the second chariot. And so they prospered, right? Under that Pharaoh, they prospered. But it says now another Pharaoh rose up, right? So another title, another label, another authority rose up who didn't know the God of Joseph or his descendants. He said, I have no idea the God you're talking about. So I can't act upon what I don't believe. I don't even know this God. But one thing he did know was this. That the children of Israel, they're multiplying. They're increasing. And if war breaks out, they're going to pledge allegiance to my enemy. And they're going to come and overtake what is ours. So what Pharaoh was concerned about was losing the economy. Couldn't care less about the children of Israel. He was afraid of losing his economy. And so he said this then. Well, let's conquer Let's conquer these people that are multiplying. And what he does then, he says, let's put taskmasters in front of them. That wherever they go, they're going to see these taskmasters. And then we're going to be able to control them. Because whoever captures you, controls you. And so these taskmasters then would be controlling the children of Israel to the point where they were fighting against each other because of the control that Pharaoh had over them. And we now get to this place where God says, I'm going to deliver the children of Israel out of bondage. And so he goes and he's telling them, hey, Moses said, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to, to deliver you. 
And they struggled and they struggled and they struggled. And then it dawned on me. Pharaoh did a number on these guys. That enemy did a number, Gary, on them that didn't even know who they were anymore. Their ability to believe God's word was so null and void because Pharaoh did a number on them. And that's what sin does. Why do we think we tell people righteousness exalts a nation, but sins are reproach? Because if we allow sin to continue, it will destroy and it will kill you. We are not trying to tell you to stop sinning because we want to wreck or ruin your fun. We're not telling you the word of God that speaks to correction because we want to be a party pooper. We are telling you because sin will destroy and it will kill you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if you love humanity, you will tell them the truth so they don't get bound and get in bondage to the things of the enemy. And that's why we got to speak with passion. And that's got to give us wisdom as we communicate this. But here it is now that Pharaoh did a number on them. But in verse 17, in verse 17, it says this. When Pharaoh let the people go. So there is coming a time where the enemy has to let you go. Oh, God Almighty. That loved one you've been praying for to get saved, keep on praying because there will come a day when the enemy has to let them go. We will not give up on our loved ones. We will continue to teach them the word of God. Why? Because the battle belongs to God. And I know, Pharaoh, you've got to let them go. I don't care what they're on. I don't care what they're in. I don't care what they're doing. The word of God tells me that you have to let them go. See, until you've been in bondage, you don't understand freedom. Until you've been connected to something that's ruled you for so many years, you don't know what freedom is. And for years, for over two decades, I struggled, and I've told this before, I struggled when my dad walked out of me, when he walked out of our home, that struggle. I was saved August 16, 1988. I got a rap about it. August 16, I got saved. He delivered me. I know that God saved me from hell. I know he did. But for over two decades, I've been struggling with my mind and having to deal with that rejection from my dad. Why did he leave? What did I do? Didn't he want me? How am I supposed to be a man? How am I supposed to get married? How am I supposed to know what to do with my wife? I don't have any example. Come on, daddy, why did you leave? I'm saved. Jesus loves me, but I'm struggling with intimidation. I'm struggling with insecurity. That my wife would say something that would reflect my father. He was a strong man. And so her personality is coming out. And now I want to project on her because of her personality. No, it's me. I'm free, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm delivered, but I'm not free. I'm, I'm delivered, but I'm not free. Because in my mind, I still have Pharaoh with me. In my mind, I'm still carrying this, this battle with my mind. And so it's not an issue whether I'm going to go to heaven. Yes, I'm going to go to heaven. But the question is, is heaven going to come down on, in me? And so I act on what I believe. And so, and so if, 
oh God Almighty, so if any trigger points can happen, any words can just happen, and you may not even know what the trigger points are, but you just say something, and it just creates this trigger, and I run back in hiding again, and guess what, I hide with my gifts, I hide with everything inside of me, but there comes a day, guess what, when Pharaoh has to let you go, Come on. There has to come a time, young lady, when he's got to let you go. There has to come a time where you know and you know and you know that I'm going to act on what I believe. And Pharaoh, you no longer have authority in my life. Because you have to let me go. Look at this. He let them go and it says, God. God did not lead them. By the way of the land of the Philistines. Although that was near. For God said. Lest the people. King James says repent. The English standard verse says. Lest the people change their minds. When they see war. And look what happens. And return. Back to Egypt. In Egypt, it was where Pharaoh said, oh, you want to go worship? You must have time on your hands. Guess what? Don't bring them any straws anymore. Let them bring their own straws. And guess what? You're still going to labor and produce the same amount. That's like your boss saying, oh, you want to get Sundays off to go to church? Oh, you must have too much time in your hand then. I'm going to now command you to have to work overtime. And so he's saying, because you want to have the audacity to come and say you want to worship your God. And I'm telling you, church, if we don't get involved in, in the political things, what I mean by that is to vote and to stand firm in the things of God, they're going to start coming. They're going to start telling us, which God are you worshiping? Huh? Which God are you worshiping? And there is going to come a war. Guess what? There's a culture war that's taking place. Parents, there's a culture war that's taking place for the innocence and for the mind of your children. There's a culture war that's taking place to destroy marriages. There's a culture war that's taking place to destroy the family structure, the family society. And so God is saying, I cannot take them to the place that was near. Because if they see war, they're going to change their minds when they see the return to Egypt. In verse 18, but God led the people around the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt. And this, this right here just, just kind of hit me. Equipped for battle. Hold on. Uh, hold on. Can I park here for a second? I can't take them to the direction that's close and near. Because if they see war, they are going to go back to Egypt. So God leads them around by the wilderness, and he says they came out of Egypt equipped for battle. So they were, they were equipped for battle, but they couldn't go and fight, because if they saw a war, they're going to run back to Egypt. So there was a battle between their mind, and God had to show them what needs to happen. Let me read the, the, the um, amplified version of it. And then we're going to end with this. There's four things. Write this down. There's four things you have to do in order to win the battle for your mind. Four things. Verse 18 from the Amplified Version. But God led the people around the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. The sons of Israel went up for battle in array. In other words, what it means by being equipped was that they were in an orderly rank. 
and they were in the right formation leading out. So God delivered them from Egypt and he brought order into their life. And he says to win the battle for your mind, you got to get your life in order. You got to get your life in order. And there are four things you have to do now when you are led. Four things the enemy is trying to do and four things that God is doing with the word of God. And we're going to end with this, the fourth thing. The first thing the enemy does, the first thing he does, he brings you information. He brings you information. In other words, he wants to inform you. So information is to inform a people, inform a group. So the first thing he does, he brings information. We live in a day and time where everything that's being spoken from any pulpit, anything that's being spoken from any podium is being recorded. You got to be careful now. With these cameras, you could be anywhere and someone can you know, do something and put on the internet and you have no idea what's going on. You know, the YMCA, you can't bring a phone into the bathroom. You can't do anything like that because there's all these different things. I mean, you're watching Facebook. You're looking at different things. You're seeing all sorts of stuff happening. People don't even know they're being watched. They don't even know they're being recorded, right? It's this information age. If you want to find something out, just go to your, your, your phone, Google it, and you get the answer right there. Even the message I'm preaching right now, if you want to check the facts, you can go to right now. The information age is accelerating at such a high speed right now. It's hard to keep track of what's going on. When I talk to Danny, I'm, I'm just trying to catch up with Facebook. She's not talking about Snapchat and this chat and the Pinnacle, whatever, and all these different new apps that are taking place. I'm like, I can't even keep up. So all the information that's battling that's taking place. And when she was younger, I was like, you got to give us your cell phone. You can't have that cell phone at night. I have no idea what information that you're receiving. So I'm not going to contribute to that battle that's taking place. So it's important that we have information. So how does God bring information? He says this in Jeremiah 3.16, that I will give you pastors, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. So our information must come from the word of God. This is the truth. I don't care what age we're living in. I don't care what's going on. The word of God is still relevant. The word of God is still real. The word of God is what we need to do. Make sure we always check the source, Eve. Always check the source, Adam. We must always make sure that our information that we're getting is information that we want to allow into our brain, allow into our mind. Okay, so the first thing is information. So always ask the question. Always ask the question, who told you that? Where'd you get that from? It's important that we understand information. Because information that is received now goes to the second thing. It now conforms you. So we're informed, and the second thing is now we're conformed. Okay? So we're conformed to whatever the information that we have. It's very important. For example, at my workplace. Okay? Love the staff that's there. They're awesome. We work out together. I got promoted as a director and everything like that. But one of the things I'm battling with is that they like to go out, and they like as a staff to go out. And they typically go to a bar because they want to go and drink. That's what, that's what they like to do. And I wrestle between, God, can I, can I go there and just hang out with them? And I don't drink pop, so it has to be, you know, water, you know, I mean, or, or lemonade or something like that. And can I just go there and just, just hang with them and just let them know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just part of the guys. I'm part of the team, man. I'm a team player. What I have to be careful of, and I'm not saying it's, it's wrong for me to do that, what I've got to be careful is that the conversation has become stuff now that perverts or gets into my head, and all of a sudden now my way of thinking changes. Does that make sense? I've got to guard my mind. And so they may call me, well, how come you don't come out with us anymore? Because I don't want to be conformed to the system of this world. 
I want to be conformed to the system that God has for me. And I can still influence you without having to be there in those things. So I'm just using an example that I struggle with that because I'm like, God, not that I'm going to lose and give up Christ. It's that do I want to conform to this system? Do I really want to do that? And that's what you have to ask yourself wherever you go. Just make sure, because the Bible says in Romans 12, that we don't want to be conformed to this world, but we want to be what? Transformed. We don't want to conform. We don't want to give into that. So the second thing is this. We want to be transformed. That is the goal. That's what we need to be is to be transformed. And so when we get to a place of transformation, it's literally to metamorphose. It, it, it's, to, it's, to, it's to become something new. It's, it's this transformation that takes place as a result of the word of God. So when we are transformed now, we are transformed to the image of Christ. And once we get to that stage, once we get to that level, we now start to think like Christ. We start to act like Christ. We start to be like Christ. Guess what? We see the manifestation that Christ went through. Does that make sense? So we want to get to a place of being transformed. And here's the final place. Once you've been informed, once you've been conformed to Christ, once you've been transformed, the last thing is this. This is how you win the battle for your mind. We now want to be reformed. We want to create a reformation that's taking place. And the reformation that's taking place is this is that we are going to stand and we're going to say, God, the battle belongs to you. The battle's not ours. That I'm going to engage in this battle with my mind, with my intellect. Because guess what? God, you go before me. You told me to believe in what you're saying. I'm going to believe in what you're saying. I'm going to act upon that. I'm going to act upon what you're saying. And I promise you, I guarantee you this. We will win. I promise you that, parents, we will win. I promise you that we will win. I promise we will win. And so the goal for us now is this. What information am I taking in? Who am I being conformed to? Am I being transformed? Or am I shaping society to the things of God? We have to win the battle for the mind. Let me end you with this and then we'll send you out. Answers in Genesis is an is a organization in Kentucky or Cincinnati, Kentucky area. And, and they teach a lot of the apologetics thing of how to defend the faith. And here's what they said. They said the enemy is attacking our foundation. And he's hitting our foundation. And we're fighting the enemy not hitting his foundation we're hitting some things up here that's just distracting us and so all the believers now over here and we're being distracted we're in fighting with each other because Pharaoh did a number on us and as a result of us being over here we're missing what's going on here because we're not informed and all this energy and everything if you listen to the media you think oh my gosh Christianity is dead but I'm here to tell you that the, one of the fastest growing church is in Iran, is in Iraq, where they're persecuting them. They're growing out of tremendous, because they're saying we will not conform. And they know when they say that death is what's next. But they say, I've been influenced by a power that's greater than Allah. Mm, good God Almighty. That I know I was born into a Muslim home, but guess what? I encountered the Messiah. And I know and I'm convinced I'll lay my life down if it requires that. Because you will not influence me to change my position, change my stance. 
And if that's you right now in this place, and you're willing to commit to this journey, to come along this journey with us, to say, Pharaoh, you have to let me go. And if you're committed to say, this battle belongs to the Lord, I want you now to make a declaration to say, I will believe God no matter what. Say that with me. I will believe God no matter what. I will believe God no matter what. Come on, stand to your feet. I will believe God. Doesn't matter what comes my way. I'm going to believe God. It doesn't matter what the enemy says. I'm going to believe God. It doesn't matter what my friends say. I'm going to believe God. I will believe God. Mm. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And brothers and sisters... There's a lot of things I don't know. There's a lot of things that you know more than I do. There's a lot of things that people who are much smarter than me knows. But there's one thing I know and I'm confident of that. We win. I'm confident with that. I'm absolutely confident with that. I am assured of that. So leave this place knowing that the battle belongs to the Lord and that you are victorious in everything that God has for you and that God Almighty is going before you and we win the battle every time. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. I need you. I need you. Those sitting over here, I need you. Those in the middle, I need you and your family. I need you. Those over here, I need you. So arise and shine. Show forth your gifts. Tell Pharaoh he is gone and gone for good. He's pursuing you, but God has opened the Red Sea and you are stepping through there. And see the waters now. Good God Almighty. Father, we bless you. I got to let you go. Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus. But I sense the shift that took place right now. I sense the shift that has taken place right now, God. And we are prepared for the battle. You've equipped us for the battle. And as for this house, as for this house, we will serve the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength. Now bless your people. Bless your people, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Amen. God bless you all. Greet someone in the joy of the Lord. If you need prayer, come down. We'll pray with you. If you need prayer for the battle, come down. We're going to pray with you. But consider yourself released and we launch you out into the, the harvest field. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.